Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. We are a small community of Jesus followers in Providence, Rhode Island. Our goal in life is to be the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, living out God's mission in our culture. You're listening to content created specifically for our church community, and the thoughts and teachings that you'll find here come from a study of the Bible that is informed by some of the best thinkers and followers of Jesus today and throughout church history. Just a heads up, you may hear a variety of voices and distractions and noises in the background. This is because we are a church of families with real lives full of children, noise, and interruptions. We celebrate these noises, however, because they remind us that real life is not a perfectly curated moment, but is full of opportunities to worship Jesus through the messy, unflattering, and mundane. In addition to this, you may hear the voices and comments of various audience members throughout the teaching. While this often causes our time to go a little long, it also deepens and enriches our time together as we discuss what we are learning and reflect on how to live it out. So bear with us. We are not professionals, but we are imperfect people who love and serve a perfect God. Let's go. Nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. In whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And where, whenever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for this set-apart time uh, now that we get to look at what you have said, look at what you have revealed to us. God, would you help us to understand by your Holy Spirit what it is that you are trying to say to us through this text? And would you give us the courage and the boldness to, and the wisdom to know how to put that into action? Um, we pray that you would speak now, Lord. Amen. Well, guys and gals, gals and guys, it has been a while, but we are stepping back into our series in Luke. So as a church, we follow a rhythm. Uh, For those of you who are new to us or maybe are just logging on, we follow a rhythm throughout the calendar of the year where we look at the life of Jesus Um, And then we see also, we look at what it means to be the family of God together. And then we'll also look at what it means to live on mission as the family of God together. And we'll kind of go back and forth between those three topics over and over again with some things in between. Um, So now we're stepping back into our time to look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, And we've been looking at the book of Luke as a way of doing that. So we're stepping back in. Um, after a few months off, we went through Advent, but really excited to start looking at these scriptures again. Um, 
let's just do a quick recap since it's been a while. Um, let's do a quick recap of where we've been and how we got to this point right now where the disciples are being sent out. So we did a little recap last week looking at, you know, the point of G- up until Jesus's uh, baptism. And now this is, f- we're looking at well, let's recap uh, how we got to this point from when he started his ministry. So he chose these 12 disciples to say, and he said, come and follow me. Uh, so by saying that, he was choosing this very diverse group of, um, of, of people, of men from Galilee to come and follow him. And by coming to follow him, he's telling them to come and be apprentices of him. So not just come and listen to me and follow alongside me, but actually come and follow me with the purpose of doing the things that I do eventually. Um, So he he chooses these guys. And up until this point, up until chapter nine, uh, they've been observers. They've been watching. They've been observing. They've been taking in the teaching that Jesus is doing. Uh, So just a few things that they would have heard and seen that we've seen up until this point. Jesus is teaching them about fasting. We've seen he's teaching them about the Sabbath, the heart of the Sabbath, that it is not uh, that that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. He's he's taught them the Beatitudes. Uh, So so many impactful things that he's teaching them that are kind of flipped upside down from maybe what they're used to. Uh, He's talking about loving your enemies, not just the people who are good to you, not just your friends, because anyone can do that. He's saying the people who actually are persecuting you, those are the people you're supposed to love. He's talking about judgment of others. Uh, So there's all these things that Jesus is talking about. And the main line theme is the kingdom of God is here. God is with you here, and he's, he's bringing heaven to earth. Um, and alongside just the teachings that they would have received, these, these disciples, they also would have seen Jesus performing miracles, uh, healing, casting out demons, just a few things that they would have been witness to up until this point. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand in the synagogue. We've, we've looked at that story. Jesus heals the centurion's servant just by speaking a word. He doesn't even go. He just speaks a word from afar, and the, and the servant is healed. He raises the widow's son from the dead. He raises the synagogue leader's daughter from the dead. Brought people back to life. It's miraculous. And the last story that we looked at uh, as we were looking through Luke was him healing a woman who had bled for 12 years uh, just as she touched the fringe of his garment. So this is all stuff that the the disciples would have been walking with Jesus, seeing, they would have been hearing these messages. But again, Jesus called them to be apprentices, not just students, but to be apprentices. And the heart of an apprentice is to put things into action. So now we get to chapter nine, and this is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus, where, and the ministry of the disciples. Um, this is the point where they're becoming apostles, these 12. So the word apostle means sent ones. So he's starting to say, hey, it's time for you to put these things into practice. Think about this turning point um, as like when you're starting a new job. Um, I use this as an example of what's happening here. When you start a new job of any type, there's generally a training period where you spend maybe the first week, two weeks, maybe a month, maybe three months 
reading HR manuals, reading all of the materials that you need, or having someone show you how to do the job that you're supposed to be doing. Um, and kind of depending on how intense the job is, uh, your training is probably going to be either shorter or longer. But then gradually you reach a point where your boss starts to give you a little bit of incremental responsibility. And then eventually you're kind of released into the wild to do the job as you're supposed to do it on your own. This is that moment where Jesus is saying, I'm going to start to give you some of the responsibility. And remember, just following off of this example, that the job that these people are given, these disciples, ultimately is to be the ones who are to lead the church after Jesus resurrected. They don't know this yet. They haven't really quite, quite grasped this yet, but this is what Jesus is forming them for. This is what he's preparing them for, to be the ones who are going to lead the church um, after Jesus resurrects. So just kind of the backstory of where we're at. Um, and this story tells us a lot about just the principles of what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. So there's things that we'll be able to pick up on. Um, and there's two things that I want to focus on this morning, specifically about being a follower of Jesus, being an apprentice of Jesus, uh, is what's the mission of being an apprentice of Jesus? What are we actually called to do? And what is the posture that we're supposed to have as apprentices of Jesus? So let's dive into the text again. Uh, we'll look at Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. We'll start here. And this, is, this portion is called the mission of the apprentice. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. They're being sent out. I think it's important to note um, that as Jesus is sending them out, He's not leaving them on their own. He's not saying, hey, this is your job to do. I've showed you how to do it. Go do it. He's saying, I'm giving you my authority and my power. So it's not on you. You just need to be obedient to go and do it. That's huge. This is not on the disciples alone to go do this. They need to depend fully on Jesus. Um, I love that that's noted. Uh, Where are they going? Uh, they've been in the region of Galilee up until this point. Uh, Jesus had his center point in Capernaum. Um, and now he's saying, go out into the rest of the region, so the rest of Galilee. He's sending them out into this whole region um, to go and do these things, so to various villages. Um, looking at these verses, the mission can kind of be summed up by two words. He's asking them to go out and be on mission in word and in deed. So they're supposed to be preaching this message, the kingdom of God, just like what Jesus has been doing. Uh, so they would have been kind of retelling the stories that Jesus was telling. Um, they would have been sharing some of the wisdom that Jesus had been sharing. Um, and also Mark kind of points this out, that one of the things he's calling them to do is to call people to repentance as well. Um, so in proclaiming the kingdom of God, he's asking people to repent. And that word means to turn from and to turn to. Um, so that's their message is to go out and preach the good news and call people to repentance. But not just to preach. He's asking them to, what does he say? He's giving them authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he says, I want you to go heal. So he wants them to go preach 
and also to bring about healing. Um, he's asking them to match the message with the power behind the message. So um, this is something you see all over scripture, especially in the New Testament, um, in the book of James, this idea of your uh, kind of walk the walk, talk the talk type deal. Um, James puts it this way. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Jesus is telling them, go preach, but then he's also saying, go do the deeds that I do as well. Put it into action. Show them that the kingdom of God is here, that there is something notably different about this message than the other ones that you've heard. Um, so we'll talk about that more uh, as we go on. But that idea of you're speaking, but also accompanying it with the good deeds. Um, let's turn to verses three through four. Now this section looks at what's the posture that the these followers, the apprentice of Jesus, are supposed to have as they go out and do this mission. Verse 3 and 4 says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Um, why? These are very specific uh, instructions. Very specific instructions. Um, and why is Jesus telling them this? Why is he telling them this in this way? Uh, it might be that it's just going to be a quick journey. And he's like, hey, don't bring a lot of stuff. Pack light. Um, because it's going to be quick and you'll be back. But most likely Jesus is saying these things um, so that they posture themselves in the correct way. I mean, look at the things that he's telling them to do. Take nothing for your journey. Uh, no staff. In other Gospels, uh, it's said, don't bring a second staff. What would a staff be used for? Oftentimes, staff would be used for protection. So trust me with your protection, okay? That's what he's saying. Don't bring a bag. What do you use a bag for? Provisions. Uh, if you are anything like me, my personality, when I go somewhere... I make sure that I either have a bag or that Amber's purse is stuffed with everything that I want for the journey. So like little snacks, making sure we got a drink and stuff. Jesus is saying, don't bring a bag. Uh, I'm going to provide for you the things that you need. Bread, he says, don't bring bread. This is basic human need stuff, like at that level. Like what if I get hungry? I'm, you told me not to bring bread. I'm going to provide for you, is what Jesus is saying. Same thing with money. And don't have a, don't have a second tunic. Uh, this, this idea of like, just trust me on your journey. I'm sending you out. I'm going to provide for you along the way. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. That's weird. Okay. Are they supposed to just stay in one house and preach to that family the whole time? No. The, the idea that Jesus is getting at here is to don't be choosy. He's saying, don't be choosy. When you enter, 
maybe you enter into a poor family's home and they're the ones that graciously receive you because um, Jewish law would say, you know, be hospitable to the person sojourning, right? But maybe the people that are hospitable to you don't have a whole lot to give. Maybe the bed's not so comfy. Maybe they don't have the best food. Jesus is saying, don't move from house to house. Make that your base until you leave that village and be content with what you have. There's, these are the principles, right? This is, this is what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at the heart. Um, what can we take, right? Jesus isn't asking us to go do these exact same things, but we can pull the principle about what is Jesus asking them to do and say, okay, how is that relevant for me? I think the principle here is to trust and depend on God ultimately in all things. He's the good shepherd and he promises us that he will satisfy us. He will protect us and he will provide for us always. What Jesus is inviting these disciples into as they go out is the same practice that has always been the characteristic of the people of God, to trust and depend fully on God alone. I love uh, throughout the Old Testament, you see this practice, right? To trust and depend on God fully. You see David time and time again saying, you are my refuge, you are my provider, in you I wait, in you I hope. Um, I love how the prophet Jeremiah puts this idea in Jeremiah 17. Look at it later if you want, I'm gonna read it now. Jeremiah 17, seven through eight. He says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is, this is what it means to trust in the Lord is that even when the storm comes or even I, I, like, what does it say? Even when the drought comes, the person who trusts in the Lord is still sustained because they're connected. They've been fed. They've been nourished. Uh, this is what he's asking them to go out and do. This is what he's asking the disciples to go out and do. Is trust me to be your nourisher. Trust me to be the one that's going to fill you. And even if things get hard, I'm going to be with you and provide. So we can take that principle as the same and know that he's with us. He's going to provide. And he asks us just to trust along the journey. So let's keep going, verses, nine, uh, verses 5 and 6. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust off from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So let's highlight that verse 5 real quick. And wherever they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. It's an interesting phrase. Um, I've always, at first glance, just kind of taken it as, okay, I've preached. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Uh, your blood is not on my hands, right? That's kind of what you think when you look at this, right? I'm supposed to leave, shake the dust off. I've done what I'm supposed to do, and uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, this phrase, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them, actually was a pretty commonly known uh, Jewish phrase. It was a teaching from rabbis at the time. Um, I had no about, idea about this until I, until I started digging into the history of it. But what Jesus is saying when he uses this phrase is this. Rabbis would teach 
that when the people of Israel, when Jews would leave the Holy Land, which was the borders of Israel of the time, and they would go into pagan lands, uh, as they were entering back into the Holy Land, they were meant to take off their sandals and shake the dust off as they were entering back in. And this was the idea that, you know, as you're stepping onto holy ground, you should be clean. So like in, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses is asked at the burning bush, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. So as they're entering back into this holy ground, they're supposed to shake the dust off. Now, where are the disciples sent to? Uh, back to our story here in Luke. They're in towns in Galilee, which is within the borders of Israel. So they're not leaving into pagan lands. They're going into Jewish land. Um, so they're going into Jewish villages, the people of God themselves, right? But Jesus is saying, as you leave these Jewish villages, the ones that don't receive you, shake the dust off of your feet. That's interesting. He's equating this Jewish village that doesn't receive the message of Jesus in the same way that people would view godless pagan lands. He's saying, you guys are no better um, than the people around who don't believe in God at all because you haven't received this message. That's a pretty heavy statement. Um, you know, this is the people of God, uh, the Jews who have the tradition, the heritage of everything. And he's saying, but do you know what? If you don't receive this message, then you don't know who God is. Uh, it's quite heavy. And then in verse 6, uh, he continues... I, I love how it ends. Um, you don't get a whole lot of commentary on what this journey looked like. It just says, and they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Um, I can only imagine I, what this was like as they were coming back. They, they went into the villages and they were healing. They were doing the things that they've seen happen over the course of learning from Jesus. They've been, up until this point, just like watching Jesus do these miracles. They've been watching him do these incredible things. They've been watching him preach and people turn and repent. And now they're preaching this message and people are repenting. They're praying for healing and healing is coming. Like imagine when they came back and they got to Jesus and they're like, it happened. All the things that you were doing, we were doing. And it was because of you. And I can just imagine them sharing stories like, oh, what did you do over in Cana? You know, what did you do over here in Tiberias? Like, it would just be really kind of fun to hear the different things. Um, and how exciting. I don't know if you guys have had this experience before, like when you see the Lord move, or if you're a part of something where you're like, that was the hand of God. How energizing and exciting that is and how joyful it is. Um, I wish I could have been there, you know, uh, to see them coming back. Because that's all we get is that they did it. You don't really get the emotion of what it was like. But, um, but I can only imagine. And uh, it's kind of fun to think about uh, them coming back. Also, side note, we talked about rest uh, and solitude last week. Uh, Tim's going to get into this in our teaching in the next couple weeks. But just to kind of like wet your whistle for what's to come. When they come back from this journey, Jesus says, hey, come away, from, come away with me for a little bit and rest because this was intense. You need to get away. We need some time with the Father. We need to retreat. Um, so that's just a side note, just kind of a bonus. 
So what do we do with this story? Um, Jesus, Jesus is not asking us as individuals right now in the city of Providence to do this exact thing. Or at least to my knowledge, he hasn't asked me to go and go into all the villages on the east side and not take any money or bread or anything and just go preach and heal necessarily. It seems like a very specific thing. But what can we take from this story is the principles of this to be an apprentice of Jesus, to be committed to the, the, the mission, which is preaching uh, this message of heaven coming to earth, of God's reconciliation, of the king coming, um, and then also doing the deeds. So this is the mission. You can pull that principle out of this story and say, as the people of God, we should be committed to this mission of preaching in word and in deed and seeking the reconciliation of our neighborhood. And then also uh, we're to have a posture of faith, of trust, of full dependence as we go out and do this. So just by way of application, uh, I just kind of want to leave us with these thoughts. Some self-examination for the week. I want you guys to think on this and, and maybe even bring it up in your gospel community. How am, am I living on mission? Am, am I living on mission? If yes, um, if yes, then why? Uh, why am I doing that? So are we engaged in the mission of God? Um, and then what's our posture in this? Um, are we depending on the Lord to, to see the fruit that's to come? Or... Because you, be, you may be engaged in mission, right? You may be reaching out to your neighbors actively, but what's your heart in that? Like, it's good to examine our heart. Why are we doing the things we're doing? Is it from a heart of love? Do I feel like I need to do everything? Or do I have this posture of dependence that, oh wait, God is the one who has given me the authority. Uh, God is the one who, if anyone's hearts are going to change, it's going to be because he's done it, not because I have to bring it about. I just want us to reflect on like the gospel first, right? It would be very easy to say, to leave this and say, I need to be on mission more. I need to uh, be better at this X, Y, Z. But all of these things need to flow out of a heart of love. Um, Let's think about the fact that Jesus has already redeemed us. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has brought us from death to life. Um, and he's the one who sent us on this mission. So um, I want it to flow out of a heart of love. Uh, So examine these things this week. Uh, Am I living on mission, and what's my posture in this? Um, I love you guys, Uh, and let's just pray that God would give us a a humble heart as as we step into this week. Father, thank you for this example uh, in Scripture of how you've kind of how you've showed us what it means to live on mission and the posture that we're meant to have. Would you help us to live by full faith and dependence on you? Not that we need to earn anything or do things to prove our love for you, God. Would you help us to rest in your love that you've shown toward us already? And would that be the fueling fire that sends us out to doing good deeds in our community, to loving our neighbors, um, 
and to submitting to you. We love you so much. Amen.